Scripture memory verse tonight, Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Ephesians 6, 18, got a little bit of twisting and turning there. Anybody else? I have to read it. Ephesians 6.18. Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. For all saints, yeah. Where is it at? Ephesians 6.18. Anybody else? New Testament. You're going to have to memorize the books. I'm glad to see you guys with your Bibles in your hand. Many saints should have their Bibles in their hand. We should never be talking about the Word of God without people with their Bibles in their hands and looking for the Scriptures. We call it Bible sword drills where you turn to and you find the Scriptures and you look at them. Ephesians 6.18. Anybody else? We're going to be closing out tonight the little series of memory verse that we've been doing on the spiritual warfare, the armor of God. Anybody else want to try it? It's on page 2169. No voice. Okay, well. We have been covering spiritual warfare, the armor of God. And I want to read from 6.10 through the end of this once again. And we'll make some comments. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Of course, Paul is our author writing to uh, the church in Ephesus, which is, Today, modern-day Turkey, where it's
pretty much all Muslim, uh, and you would go to prison for being a Christian in this area now. And so we're, we've been looking at this, and when we look, you see that the armor is Christ. Every piece of armor is really putting on the knowledge, putting on the person of Christ, is drawing near in fellowship with Christ. If you remember, you're, you're standing having your, your, your waist girded with truth. Well, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. And then you put on the breastplate of righteousness. He is our righteousness. He, he give us his imputed righteousness. I think it's in um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says, and shod your feet, put on the, the sandals of peace, the preparation of the gospel of peace. So we are supposed to walk in peace, to look to be at peace with all men as far as we are able, learning the gospel, preparing ourselves each day to go out and share the gospel of peace, the good news that there is peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he says, above all. Is it truth above all? It is above all. But above all, taking up the shield of faith, where which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. See, without faith, you can't even believe that Jesus is truth. See, he is truth regardless of what you believe, but God gives you faith to believe that he's truth, and then that's how you appropriate it, by using it as a shield to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one who fights with lies. He throws stuff at your life, and it's usually a lie, and by faith you appropriate your entire life. Your entire life is in confident trust in God for the provision for each moment, for each breath, it's faith in God. And as you look around you, you can see that the enemy fights with lies, but he uses fear. And fear destroys faith. So he wants to make you afraid of things. And when you are afraid of things, it destroys that faith. Because you know what? Faith reveals what you trust in. If you're trusting in God and he created and spoke and created the heavens and the earth, if he sent a savior and he loves you, and if God be for you, who could be against you? When we have faith in him, we should not fear man. Fear of man produces a stumbling block, but fear of God produces righteousness. So the devil wants to scare you. And when you give in to fear, it shows that there is a lack of faith. It doesn't kick you out of heaven. It just reveals that your faith is very weak. We talked about this Sunday. We want to have faith in God. We want to be able to endure through the trials. So what do we have to do? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We spend time with God. We draw near to God. We get into the word of God and see that he's always faithful. That you can always trust him. And that he takes care of his children. He takes care of his people. So therefore you do not have to fear. If God be for you who could be against you. And then you take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. God is the author and finisher of our faith. Christ is. And then he gives you a helmet of salvation. He's our salvator. And then he gives you the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. 
which is your first offensive weapon. Until this time, you're putting on. You're putting on. But you take up the sword of the Spirit. You take up the helmet of salvation. You remind yourself with the truth. But the sword is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. How does the Spirit deal with the enemy? With the sword. The Word of God. The Word of God puts the enemy to flight. Do you understand that? So when your fear comes in, over what? Think about it. Maybe it's death. See, death is the thing that Christ came to defeat. What do you mean? Well, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So all of our life we had this fear of death. And Christ defeats it. He destroys death. It's the last enemy that will be put under his feet. But listen to me. Now we are told in the Bible to be, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Why would we fear death? As children of God, as the people of God... We know that our destiny is to be with God. We know that the end of us is to live with God forever. So why would we go on fearing death? Because the enemy is attacking our faith. And we want to finish the race. We want to cross the finish line and be in the presence of God because we know the truth of the word that we'll never go out from him ever again. We'll be with him forever. That's what this whole life is about. It's a training ground. It's a proving ground. It's a, it's a courtroom where we live a spiritual battle and the enemy's trying to deceive you into walking away from the truth of God and to living a lie. So he says, he's all dressed up. We've got Christ on. Listen, to put on all the knowledge of God and not to have a relationship the Bible teaches us that knowledge puffs up. It puffs up. But in that relationship, we bow down. We humble ourselves in the sight of God and he lifts us up. So here's the, the soldier. He knows there's a war. He knows he's supposed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He knows that there's, a, that, there's, that there's this warfare going on where the enemies, principalities and powers, spiritual host of wickedness is attacking, trying to destroy, trying to rob, kill, and destroy him. And that in order to withstand, you must put on the truth of God. You must build a relationship with God. You must stand in the victory of God. See, we're not fighting for victory. Many people go out and they try to fight for victory. The victory was won on the cross of Calvary. All we have to do is receive that gift, receive that victory. We have an inheritance in the heavenly places. So when we begin to look at this, we put on all the armor, and you might do this. I get up every morning. And I say this to myself and to God out loud to remind myself that I'm putting on Christ. Because, see, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. The Holy Spirit is conforming you into the image of Christ. That's what salvation is about because you're becoming like the Son of God. You're being conformed and transformed by the renewing of your mind because you're in the family of God. And God trains all of his children to live the same way. No, no, no. He gives them different things to do, different work to do, but they're all trained in righteousness and how to right live in his house, in his kingdom for his glory. And so when I get up in the morning, I always rehearse this to remind myself. 
One, that there's a spiritual war. One, that the enemy is going to try to kill me when I, go, when I, when I move. You know, when I go out to do the work of the ministry. And I need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, Greg's might's not going to work. Greg's strength is not going to work. Greg's ideas are not going to work. Neither are yours. It has to be the mind of Christ. See, because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Listen, you can't do this. You can't see them. How would you fight against a demon? The only way to do it is in the name of Jesus. The only way to do it is to stand in his victory. And so you can put on the armor and you can say, here I go. I, I've girded my waist with truth. I've put on the breastplate of righteousness. Lord, help me to shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, help me to take up the shield of faith where which I will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Help me to put on the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, God, I'm all dressed up. But I got no marching orders. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? So the sword of the spirit is your first, I believe, offensive weapon. You can go out to battle. You can wield the sword with authority. You can take the word of God and go out and fight in this angelic conflict. Because you know what? When you tell people the word of God, when you speak to them the truth of God, it hits their conscience. It hits the heart of the matter, and it gives them a choice in what to believe about God. So you speak truth. That's why we do memory verse. We have memory verses because when you go out to somebody and they're afraid, you can remind them. You can show them in the Bible where it says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can show them these things. And what does that do? It cuts through the lies of the enemy. It reminds him of who their father is. And then he's given them a gift. And when he gave them that gift, the spirit sealed them. And that spirit does not give you fear. That spirit gives you power to be a child of God, to be a witness for God, to live a life for God. Power over sin and death. Yes, death. Because we are going to live forever now. Spiritual death is the biggest enemy, not physical death. Listen, so God, he reminds you with truth that he's given you power and love. You're in a family of love. Many people grow up never feeling loved. You don't feel loved. The important thing is not your physical love, but unconditional love for God because he accepts you where you're at. And then he gives you a sound mind. See, the people around you, the world around you might tell you that your mind is not sound. Wait a minute. What has God said? He fearfully, he's made you fearfully and wonderfully. You can trust him. You can draw near to him. He will heal your mind if you've damaged it some way or the world and sin has damaged it. He can heal your mind. But we have to understand truth. Now listen to me. If we sit here, and most of us would sit here and say, and you're listening to this, you, you probably know Jesus. You probably ask him to be your Lord and Savior, forgive you of your sins. And we sit by faith and are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, 
lest any man should boast. Not physical works. And we'll sit here and go, oh, I believe God created the heavens and earth. Oh, I believe God died for me. I, I believe Christ poured out his blood at Calvary. I believe I'm saved. And then not pray. Listen to me. This is very important. Then not pray properly. Then not learn what prayer means. Listen, this is what he says after you've got the armor on. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Not in the flesh. In the spirit. And then be watchful to this end or thereunto, King James, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, I'm here to tell you that when you begin to pray for all the saints and you're doing it in the Spirit, you're really dealing with the Word, prayer, and fellowship. See, when you begin to pray for all the saints, that's fellowship because you have to know what the other saints have going on. You have to have fellowship, right? Fellowship yeah. around the Word. But prayer, to me, is the most important thing because we know now knowledge. We have knowledge. We have knowledge that Christ is truth that Christ is our righteousness, that Christ is the gospel of peace. He's brought us peace, Romans 5.1. And then we can have faith in him, a shield of faith. Then we put on a helmet of salvation and take up a sword of the Spirit, but that's knowledge. And it's going to puff up if it isn't tempered by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, and you don't come and bow down to God in prayer and worship. See, the Bible tells us to draw near to God. He'll draw near to us. Well, how do we draw near? In the word, prayer, and fellowship. We draw near by, by surrendering to Him. Listen, you can have all the knowledge you want, but He wants a personal relationship. And you say, well, I have knowledge. I know what He did, and I know the four points of, of salvation. You know all these things, but are you praying? Where do you go for help? Are you developing a prayer life a prayer life because listen prayer is not a oh I get to ask God for stuff that's not what prayer is about and see the church has falsely turned prayer into coming to God and asking for stuff it's coming to God and asking that his will be done well that's Jesus' example not my will but thy will be done it's coming and reasoning with God and talking about what is truth and what is life. It's coming and building a love relationship and learning to be dependent upon God for all things. So let me ask you, when you have trouble, where do you go? When you have a problem, where do you go? Where do you turn when something happens in your life? Do you pick up the phone? That's what most saints do. They grab their telephone and they call somebody. Wait a minute. What about God? We need to be conditioning our heart to go to God first and foremost because we're learning to trust Him. We're learning to be dependent upon Him. We're learning what His desires are, what His ways are, what His kingdom is about. Listen, most people automatically, you, your spouse gets sick, your dad gets sick. What do we do? We instantly, if we remember prayer, what do we do? We pray, God, heal them. Listen to me. What if God isn't going to heal them? Why would we pray in the flesh, in our feelings, in our emotions, 
when the Bible tells us to pray in the Spirit. So we need the Spirit to direct our prayers. See, the Spirit is really the power that we need in our life, is walking in the Spirit, not walking in the flesh, not walking by the training of somebody that tells you to do this and this and this and this, but it's in that relationship where you're praying always. That's the position of your life. Well, what is praying? Praying is worship. Listen, that's what it's, if you look it up, that's what it means. Listen to me. Praying is, it says, to pray to God. Having communion. To worship. It's to worship. What is the thing? If you have a God that says, without faith, it is impossible to please me. For you first must believe that I am, and that I will reward those who diligently seek me. So when you are diligently seeking God, his face, his favor, his will, his heart, his desires for what's going on in your life, you're praying, and you're building this relationship, and that's worship. That's bowing down to him. That's, that's, that's finding out what is good and acceptable to him, old man. Yes, Finley? So you're trying to say is that prayer is not about asking for stuff. It's about um, trying to get in a relationship, like you're trying to say? Well, prayer is about asking and making requests and petitions, and we'll get to that. But the first thing it is is a proper place and a position of understanding that you are worshiping God. And so when you come to God in prayer and all you're doing is asking in the flesh, he's not going to hear that prayer. He sees it, but he wants to correct your heart. So lots of people come and they pray and they say, Lord, pay my rent. And when God doesn't pay your rent, then they say, I tried to God, Dane, it didn't work. Well, it's not a genie in a bottle. You know, so, so sometimes he gives you what you need instead of what you ask. He's wanting to take care of your spiritual needs, and all we're looking for is our physical flesh to be fed. So we ask amiss. We ask, and then we use it on ourselves, and we don't ask for the right reasons. And see, when you, he's going to see here in a minute, Paul makes a specific prayer request that he would be able to utter the mysteries of the gospel, that he would be able to speak with boldness, because he's an ambassador in bonds. And, and think about it. If you was in prison for preaching the gospel, would you be saying that? You know, it would be a good time to say, you know what? Maybe I could temper this back a little bit. Because maybe they'll let me out of prison. And then I'll be able to reach more people. Maybe. But see, he knows that God is preparing him for tomorrow. He knows that he's sitting in prison. And that his bigger life is ahead of him. Because he's going to have to testify before Nero and he's going to have to have boldness to go before Nero who's going to cut his head off and to still speak the gospel to him he's going to have to have the spirit he's going to have to have a relationship he's going to have to understand himself that this is not the life that we are born for but it's our soul's place of testing to see if we're going to live with God or separated from God from eternity. He has to understand that this is not our home. So it comes with a relationship. It's kind of like this. And let me get it to you slowly. In the Bible, we're all 
told to train our children in the way that they're supposed to go. So if we look to God, he's going to train us in righteousness. He's going to train us in heavenliness. He's going to train us in how to be a citizen of heaven. If we come to him, then everything that he's doing in our life is going to be spirit-led, and it's going to train us to be a representative, an ambassador for heavenly places, because that's what our home is. So when we see our children out doing things in the street and it's not godliness, then we know how they've been trained in the home. They've been trained in unrighteousness. They've been trained in lawlessness. They've been trained to do whatever feels good. They've been trained by our school systems to live in an ungodly world. They've been trained in a lot of ways, but you and I are called to train them in the way that they should go, to point them in the right direction. And so how does that happen? It happens as you give birth to them. You begin to take care of them, and they learn to listen to you because you give them good, godly advice. Now, they're born with a sin nature, so they're going to rebel. But if you train them that in that rebellion, there's going to be punishment. And in their obedience, there's going to be blessing, and there's going to be reward if you train them like that, you're training their little hearts to understand that you're not the end all, that there's going to be a greater picture later. This is a physical, but there's going to be an end later where God is going to judge their actions. So you begin to train their little hearts in that way. And see, that's what God wants you and me to do as we come to him as little children. You have to come to God as a child. In other words, dependent upon him looking to him, asking him to train you. And you do it by the Spirit of God in prayer, in the word prayer and fellowship. And you begin to train your spiritual heart to obey because you're being trained. And God, listen, he's already told us that, that, that God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. And if you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. So you come as a child and you say, I believe Jesus is the son of God and that he died for my sins and on the third day he rose again and you shall be saved when you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation but then what do you do I'm just standing here no you begin to pray you begin to turn your heart toward dependent upon a spiritual God who has sealed you with his spirit and he knows everything. So you have to pray. You have to begin to communicate. You have to begin to get your marching orders as a child of God, as a soldier of God, as a, as a person who's in his kingdom now. Because everything that we've done has been in the flesh. Everything that we've learned has been in the physical, carnal, temporal but it's all about the spiritual. So you begin to worship God and you make requests to God. Well, what kind of requests should you make? Well, don't you want to be like Christ? That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. So you want to cooperate with your sanctification. So you begin to ask God, what should I do? Well, it's real simple. He says, get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. So listen to me. Most saints, they're not praying. They're not reading the word of God. They're not in fellowship. So what's going to come? You reap what you sow. 
You're not going to grow. You're not going to learn. You're not going to pray because you're still dependent upon everything else instead of fully upon God. There's no surrender to God. If there was, you'd be praying to him. Listen to me. Here, here it is again. We're supposed to be growing. Think about that. And then look at that. Listen, this is not for condemnation. This is to wake us up so that Christ can give us life. This is to wake us up. Because if you're growing, my grandkids, they were this big, and then they're this big, and they're this big, and they're this big, and they're getting this big, because they're growing. So a Christian that is in the word prayer and fellowship, a Christian that is becoming dependent upon Christ, that's letting the Spirit lead their life, shouldn't they be growing in maturity? Shouldn't they be growing in the things that they're doing? So you should have more of a desire for the Word of God as you grow from day to day, year to year. You should understand the knowledge of God more and more as the Spirit reveals it and takes the cover off of it because you've been reading it and sharing it with others. And, and think about this for a minute. Shouldn't you be growing in your prayer life? Instead of saying, Lord, get me a car, shouldn't you be saying, Lord, what do you want me to have? Lord, you begin to change the way you pray. You grow in that. I understand that as a child that's five years old, they say, I want that, I want that, I want that. Give me that, that, that. What do you want for Christmas? I want that, that, that. And they see something else, they go, I want that. They want everything. Because that's immaturity. That's looking with their eyes and not with their heart. They don't know their needs. So in prayer, as you talk with God and look at his word and let his spirit and fellowship with other believers temper you back, you learn what you're supposed to be doing. Listen, it's dependency upon God for what? For his heart, for his desires, for his kingdom, for his ways. Why? Because that's true salvation. But when we just say a prayer like the devil has deceived most of us to doing one prayer that we believe at an altar, and then we go live any way we want, we're being deceived. It's not true salvation. It's just simply not true. The fruit afterwards, listen, you reap what you sow, right? And if the true seed of Christ has been planted in your heart, you'll begin to reap. You'll see fruit of righteousness. You'll see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why? Because you'll see that person in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Anything else is deception. I can say this over and over and over and over again, but it's going to take you in prayer, personally with God, crying out to Him and saying, do not let me be deceived. Make sure I keep my eyes fixed on you, Lord. How should I pray? What should I pray for? Look, look at it. It's all right here. We know all about warfare. I can quiz Christians. I go, you know, what, you know what warfare is? Yeah, the devil trying to kill me, man. No, I, 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 I'm being funny and I'm being facetious. But do you know anything about warfare? See, we need to learn these things because there's a war. The enemy's coming to rob, kill, and destroy you. Well, what's he rob, killing, and destroying? He's not trying to take your car. 
He's trying to take your relationship with God so you won't pray, so you won't read the word, so you won't be in fellowship. Because those are the things that grow you. It's like coming to take, say, what did they do? They just took the baby bottle from the baby. Really? And the diapers? Really? And the pacifier? Really? Because that's the stuff the baby needs. So the enemy comes and tells you that you can be dependent upon your bank account. You can be dependent upon your own strength and your own power and your own might. And you got this one. Just keep going. And he steals the truth from you. Now you ain't got no belt. Now you don't even believe that you're righteous. But really the Bible tells you you're righteous because Christ is righteous. Because of the blood. That's your position. That's your place. That's who you are. But because you ain't shod in your feet with the gospel and you got no plans to tell nobody about the gospel, he's stealing all of your truths from you. And so now it starts to damage your faith. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're not in it. You're not sharing it. You're not shod in your feet with it. You're not doing anything with it. You're not asking the Holy Spirit to teach you the word of God. See, but we'll go set before somebody and listen and then never do anything else. But it's about a personal relationship. You don't, I mean, we don't see this type of church in the Bible. But we do know that God wants us to have a personal relationship. That takes prayer. This is the most important thing. Why? Because you're surrendering. And your prayer life should grow. It might start out as, I want that, I want that, I want that. Your prayer life can start out when it's just a general conversation, but then you learn to be still before God. How do you pray? Well, there's a simple method that people have used for years, and I'll give it to you. You can throw it out. Maybe, maybe you just say, God, help me to develop a prayer life. But it's just like building a relationship with your children. It's just like building a relationship with your friend, your boss, your spouse. The gospel is relationship. You begin to talk. And you know what happens? Here's the method. It's called the Acts method. You've probably heard about it. Like the book of Acts, A-C-T-S. And, and you never want to put things in works. You never want to put them in a method. There's no real formulas. But you can use things like this to help you remember how to pray when you get alone before God. But listen to me. Prayer might start in your life for three minutes. And you go, well, I'm done. I didn't have much to talk about. I'm, not, I'm a man of not too many words. But it should be growing. So your prayer life should get bigger and bigger. You should want to talk about more and more things as you grow in the word, prayer, and fellowship. You should have more questions as you dig into it. So it's not going to stay three minutes all of your life. It's going to move on to five minutes and the saints of old to ten minutes and to two hours maybe. I heard today that... Um, Oh, my goodness. What's his name? Barnard? One of the older saints that was a circuit preacher, Brainerd. And he died before he was 30. because I think he had tuberculosis or something, but he kept going. They said that he would go pray and get on his knees, and he would not get up till the snow had melted around him. I mean, and, and I'm not trying to make legalism out of it. It's not legalism. It's a relationship 
where listen, if we go out there where the enemy's out trying to kill us and we don't have a specific plan on how to stand in the victory of Christ, he's going to destroy us. So it takes a relationship with God. You know that you are equipped and you're going out there for a reason. And when you see people, you're going to tell them about Christ. Listen, there's a boldness that comes with identity. There's a boldness that comes with that relationship of the Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who has so much power that he spoke. And the world came into existence. And listen, he wants you to diligently seek him. Not to play around like we see in church today, where if, if I want to go, if I want to talk to God, I might. Right now, I don't feel like it. I, this should be the most important thing. Listen, why? Because he died for us. He loved us so much, he would die for us to redeem us. And we go, ah, I don't really want to pray. Listen, he's not mad at you. He loves you with a never-ending love. But he wants to train you in righteousness and all the knowledge you get in the world and all the work you do in the world is nothing without the relationship. Because you know what Matthew 7 says? Be away from me. I never knew you. That's a relationship. That's a relationship. Every time we meet, we learn more about each other. Relationships are important. Why is the enemy trying to keep us separated? Why is the enemy trying to keep us from fellowshipping? Because it's one of the intricate parts of the church to keep each other accountable, to, to, to encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Listen, make no mistake, COVID, make no mistake, everything going on in the world today, all the politics, make no mistake, the devil is trying to destroy the works of Christ. Make no mistake, if you're a friend of God, the enemy is going to try to destroy you. He's going to try to rob, kill, and destroy you. And he doesn't want you praying. He wants you going somewhere else for your help. But if this God is truly your God, you need to set down and learn to hear his voice. Learn to hear what he's saying. Learn to hear what he's doing. And begin to understand that he loves you. He forgives you. He wants to use you for his glory. He wants to set you free from the lies of the devil. And all the knowledge you say, I know, I know, I know. You, know, you, see, you ever see kids do that? What about adults do that? Yeah, adults do it all the time. Because of pride and arrogance. And we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to sit down and learn together. So we'll say, how you doing? I'm good. We know God loves you. I know. But nothing changes. See, this is because of prayer. Prayer does change things. Because you build a relationship. You lay your heart out before God. You're reasoning with Him. And it's not just prayer, but praying always. That's, that's, that's a lot, isn't it? Praying always? What do you mean? When? Always. Well, what about? Everything. That'd be a good practice for us all to take up. Well, it is, <laughs> and it's what we should be doing because it's called worship. Listen, prayer is worship. And, and well, how's it worship? Because God, who gave everything for you, everything for me, who laid his life down for us, has already provided all of our needs, but he wants us to come and be dependent upon him. 
Instead of going about with our nose up like we already got this. I already know God. If we really knew our identity, if we really knew what he had for us, if we really knew the glory that we're going to see in heaven, we would stop and pray. We would pray more than we would do anything in life. You know, because think about this for a minute. Here's, here's another one for your kid. Here's another one for you as a kid. And you'll remember this when you wanted your parent to give you something. And you just kind of knew that they were going to say no. But you wanted that little puppy anyway. So what did you do? Because we were little sinners, you began to be nice. You began to clean up your room and you did a few little things and you acted like your works were going to get you something from your parent. And then you popped the question. Then you prayed and asked them for whatever it was. See, that's what we do with God. And God doesn't want us to do that. He just wants us to bow down. Let him change our heart, change our desires, change our ways, and teach us how to live for him and be led by the Spirit. Listen, prayer, praying always with how much prayer? All prayer. All prayer. Everything in prayer. All prayer. There's a bunch of different kinds of prayer. You know, I can be driving. You see me talking. I might be praying. I might be fighting warfare. I might get ready to go into some place and I say, Lord, or is anybody in there? It's just a small little prayer. There's little prayers and there's in-depth prayers. There's reasoning prayers. There's prayers of supplication, which is a request specifically. It's an earnest prayer where you humble yourself. But listen, what about a prayer for wisdom? James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He gives to all liberally and without reproach. So there's all kinds of prayer. Lord, I need wisdom. Lord, I need knowledge. Lord, I need help. Lord, I need strength. I mean, all things in prayer. What does he say? What does Paul say to the Philippian church? Be anxious, worry about nothing, pray about everything with thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Listen, that's because they're praying. That's because they're trusting God. That's because you know that you're indestructible until God is finished with you. But it all begins in prayer. You take your request to who you think can give it to you. Can I get a puppy, Mommy? No. So then you think, well, they don't like me. They won't let me have what my little heart wants. <clears throat> but they're actually looking out for you. They're protecting you. And that's the way God is. He doesn't just give you what you want. He wants to give you what you need. And that's godliness. So listen, here's, a, here's what it is. Acts. The Acts method. You want to learn to pray. You want to start praying. Here's what it is. The A stands for adoration. You adore God. You begin to worship. You get before. You might close your eyes. You can do it out loud if nobody's around. But you just close your eyes. And I was talking to a gentleman today and he said... So I could just think and pray, right? And I go, yeah, God knows your thoughts. But there's times when you want to speak out loud. It's all prayer. There's times when you might like say, praise you, Lord. Praise God. You know, and you're just, you're, you're, you're excited about what God is doing, no matter what anybody else says or thinks. There's prayer over your meal. There's prayer over somebody's life. But listen, adoration you begin with. It means I, you, you get before God. You find a place. Listen, here's the a, here's a number one thing you want to remember. If you don't have a place you're praying every day, you're probably not praying. 
Think about it. You have a doctor you go to all the time, or you don't go to the doctor. You say, why ain't you going to the doctor? I just don't have one. But when you have that doctor and you begin to build a relationship with that doctor and he says, come back in three months, then you go back in three months. And he begins to know you and what's going on with your body and he can help you. Same thing with God. Listen to me. But you start with adoration. Take a time and say, you know what? I'm going to go in here and sit down and I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to begin to build a prayer life. Why? Because I want to be dependent upon God. I want to know the heart of God. I want my heart to be conformed into the image of God. And I want to be used by God. So you go in and you sit down and you just start to, to, to tell God that you adore him. And thank you for my salvation. And, and you're so majestic and lovely. And, 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 and you're just amazing. You're just adoring him. You're praising him. You're, whatever your heart tells you to say about God, you begin. it's not flattery. Right? Because God is our all in all. And you know what happens when you come into the presence of God? And you're there specifically and purposefully. And you come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know what happens? You begin to look at his majesty. And then you realize how dirty and ugly you are. And how bad you are. So what happens next? It's called confession. After you're adoring him, you can't come into marvelous light and not see that you just was really rude to your parent. You just was really rude to your boss. You just committed sin. And so you ask God, you start to confess your sin. And confess that you want to know him more. Confess that you want to, to change. Confess that you want your heart washed and cleansed. You begin to confess to him and get right with him. Right? And then the next one is thanksgiving. Because now that you've confessed, you can thank him for forgiving you. Because he says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you're like, wow. Is there anything else, God? Is there anything else that I've done that I need to confess to you? Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for the freedom. Thank you for setting my life and my heart and everything about me free. See, what you're doing right there is you're believing truth. And you're taking the sword of the spirit and you're casting down the lie because the enemy is always going to tell us you're no good. You're not worthy. You're not able. You can't. See, that's what happens. Because our flesh doesn't believe that Christ died for us and gave us his completely perfect righteousness. That's our standing before God Almighty. And then after Thanksgiving... You have supplication. So it's the Acts method. I'm just trying to tell you a method. But you've got to start praying. You cannot ignore prayer and say, I know God. See, you can read this Bible over and over and over and over and build up with knowledge. But if you don't begin to pray and have a relationship with that, you don't know who it is. And if you don't read the word, you could be praying and think you're praying to God and you're praying to the wrong God. There's no other gods, but you're praying to some gods you've made up. So when you couple it with reading the word of God, you learn the knowledge of who God is, what he's done, what he's going to do, everything about him as you begin to grow in that. So the word becomes your baby bottle that grows into meat, and prayer becomes your dependency that never stops because you're always going to be looking to him in everything. 
So supplication is making a request. It's beginning as he changes your heart, you know how to make the request for his kingdom's sake. And you say stuff like uh, Jesus did in the garden. Remember Gethsemane? He didn't say, take this cup. He said, if there's any other way, take this cup. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And it's the same thing we should pray. We shouldn't say, we shouldn't think that we could claim a healing on somebody. We should say, Lord, if it's your will, would you heal them? See, our emotions, we always want our loved ones to be healed. Our emotions, we don't ever want to lose our loved ones. But in truth, in reality, in the heart of things, God knows what everybody around us and everybody needs. And he might heal them by giving them a new body in heaven. He might let them die so that you'll cry out. Look right now, COVID seems to be really crazy. COVID is a blessing. Now, I know there's people that's lost loved ones, but look what fear does. It's either going to drive you to depression or it's going to drive you to the throne room of God. And if you're a child of God, you need to be running to God and say, Lord, we know that you've given us life and that more abundantly. So it's, it's separating people. Am I going to run to the government or am I going to run to God? Am I going to run to uh, my neighbor or am I going to run to God? Am I going to run to you fill in the blank? Because we all run to something when things happen. But we should always run to God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. How? In the spirit. Listen, what, how do you do that? Is that like you float or something? No, you ask the Holy Spirit for direction, for guidance. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. Romans 8, 14. In everything you're doing right now, you're supposed to be doing it in the Spirit if you're a child of God. You're sealed with the Spirit. You're growing in the Spirit. You're growing in the fruit of the Spirit. You're growing in everything you're doing. And you have to have this personal relationship, not just with the Father, not just with Jesus, but with the Spirit, the whole Trinity. They're all different in your life right now. So you ask the Spirit of God to direct your prayers. You say, Holy Spirit, I need help here. I see that this is going on, but I don't know how to pray. I don't know what I should do. Can I have wisdom, God, in how to deal with this? Are you understanding this? Because this is how you begin a prayer life. It's with discourse. It's with talking. It's with requesting. It's like, correct me, God. See, you can ask God, God, correct me. Rebuke me. Encourage me. Don't punish me in your hot displeasure, but help me to see the right way to live so I can follow Jesus. All of these things are reasoning with God and getting help with God. They're all prayer. It's where you're worshiping God because you want to be like him. Well, why would you talk to everybody else and never talk to God if you want to be like God? When I grow up, I want to be like Mike. Well, why are you watching videos of Bill for? Because well, I want to be like Mike. Well, why do you keep watching videos of Fred for? Because I want to be like Mike. Well, why do you keep talking to Judy for? Because I want to be like Mike. Listen. If the Holy Spirit is conforming us into the image of God, we should be talking to God. We should be praying to God. We should, and here's his word. Most of what he has to say, he doesn't, he doesn't have to chew it again. It's already written down for us to see who he is, how he reacts, what he does. And so the Acts method is a way to do it. 
And I think my prayer life is something of that sense. Um, although I have a little bit of difficulty with the confession part because I think we should confess our sins quickly. Confess what he shows us all the time. So when I sit down in my devotional time, typically my confession has already been over with. And it's not there for that period. But when you get into the presence of an almighty, perfect God, there's always going to be stuff to confess. So you can even ask him, you know, is there something that would interfere? Because there are things. Listen to me. I don't know if you guys know it, but what is it? First Peter, Second Peter? I should put some glasses on, shouldn't I? Where's Peter at? After Hebrews? Um, yeah. Um, is it? First Peter 3, 7. Listen to this, husbands. Listen to this if you're a spouse or you ever want to be a spouse. Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wife in an understanding way, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Listen, if, you don't, if you're married, husband, and you're not living with your wife properly... It can hinder your prayers. There's a lot of things that can hinder your prayers. There's a lot of things. And see, that's the, that's the whole deal here. Is there's a lot of things that will hinder prayer life. It's like, I can't get before God because I know this sin's in my life. Confess the sin and get before God. He already died. He already knows. You can't hide it. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from the neighbor. You can hide it from the police. But you can't hide sin from God. Where can you go from his spirit? He knows already. So the best thing to do is to confess it over and over again if you have to. But keep coming before him. Don't let the enemy rob you of your relationship with God. He already poured his blood out over you. He's already forgiven you of that sin. Now that's not permission to practice sin. It's permission to be cleansed. When you confess it, he's promised to forgive and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the word of God. It's the bar of soap. So we need to be praying and making our request. you have something, Finley? Oh, yes. One more question. Um, so I should still always pray at school no matter what. Anybody else thinks? Well, you don't want to pray like the Pharisees who pray with loud prayers open in, in the public places so that people would know what they're doing. There's times to pray. Like if you go to a restaurant, you should pray over your meal. There's times to say, can I pray with you? But if you're doing it just for show, you have to ask God, check my heart and see if I'm doing it for show. Because see, I can be walking in the same room with you talking to you and you asking me questions and I can actually in my mind ask God for wisdom without anybody even knowing I'm praying because I'm dependent upon God and I'm showing him that I want his strength, his wisdom and not mine because I don't want to give you the counsel of me. I want to give you the counsel of God from the spirit of God for the glory of God and that's called humbling yourself. When we humble ourselves in the sight of God, he will lift us up. Always humble yourself. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And what is grace? It's God's riches at Christ's expense. So you can pray every place, but people don't have to know you're praying. That's what I was trying to say. You can sit there with your eyes open. Now, it does seem that in the Bible, most of the time when you see people praying, they do get on their knees. 
I mean, it's obvious when you read of Daniel and the attack on Daniel for his uh, uh, piety with his God, how he prayed, they knew what he was doing, so they made an edict and tricked him, and they knew his posture of prayer every day, three times a day. So they knew when he was going to go open the window and pray. But listen, you can pray thinking quietly with everything in chaos going around and be at peace. That's why it says all prayer. There's different times to pray. There's different ways to pray. There's intercessory prayer. There's prayers of deliverance. There's prayers of healing. There's all kinds of prayer, but you need the Spirit to direct you. And a lot of times, like I said, again, we just pray. They're sick. Well, pray for a healing. Well, did the Spirit tell you to pray for a healing? Or do you just think in your physical emotions that that's what you're supposed to pray for? But you got to be careful even with those limitations because sometimes that can silence people from praying for a healing. So you pray for a healing and say, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord, if this is what you want to do. But you have to be ready to accept God's will because God's going to do a lot of things differently than what you ask. And so the whole point of prayer is to line your heart, your desires, your life up with what God is doing. What is God doing? He's saving souls. So he's going to allow things to happen to show the faith that you have to trust in him. So when things happen and people see you going and kicking a hole in the wall, they obviously see that you don't have faith in God. But when they see you say, well, let's pray, then they see where your help comes from. They're going to see your stature and your standards and the place that you go when things happen. And that is a learned thing where you're depending upon your father. Why? Because your father already made a perfect provision in a salvator in Jesus. And he's given you the spirit to lead you. So he's going to provide everything else for you for life and godliness. But you have to come and ask for it. It's, it's sad when we see kids or grown men stealing things and kids stealing things when all they had to do was ask. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, they didn't have to steal my hat. All they had to do was ask. I would have gave it to them. Yet so many people just tried to sneak through the Christian life and run through it and pretend when God has got his arms wide open. Remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son, and he and he wanted his inheritance now. I want to go do what I want to do. And he got his inheritance, and he left. The, the, the father was sad about it, but he left. And he went and spent it, and he was broken. He's eating pig pies and, and, and the dung of the field. And what's it say? He came to his senses. Do you know where you come to your senses at? In prayer. When you get to the bottom and you're going, what can I do? And, oh, Father. And he come to his senses. And he said, I'll just go home and be a servant in my father's house. That's all I need. And then there's plenty of food to eat. And as soon as he came to his senses, there's his father running to him. And puts a robe on him and a signet ring. And he kills the fatty calf. And he has a party because one was lost, but now they've been found. It's in a prayer. And really, that's the only prayer that God hears from people, first of all. Lots of people say they're praying. I was listening to somebody today, and they said, they said, uh, well, well, uh, who is 
is it? Um, Snoop Dogg and Madonna both say that they pray before their concerts. Well, who are they praying to? And with what logic? When you're living in sin and you're, you're blaspheming God and shaking your hand in His face and you're living like a demon, who are you praying to? Listen to me. How are you living? Are you saying, Lord, I want my heart to follow you and then praying? Or are you just trying to get what you want and you think that if you make a pretense of prayer in front of people that they think you trust God? Listen, we need truth. We need truth in our inmost parts. We need this Bible because everybody's praying. But are they praying to Yahweh? Are they praying to the God of heaven and earth, the creator and sustainer, the one who has sent us a savior? And are they praying with knowledge? And are they praying with a heart that wants to bow down and not my will, but thy will be done? Because it's about souls, yours first and then others. And if we don't pray with knowledge, and we listen, I'm just telling you right now, if you're not praying, if you're not praying, then where in the world are you trusting in yourself? Money? Your own strength? You know, I was in prison for 12 years, and for those 12 years, you know what I did? I prayed all the time. Because I needed somebody to help, and I knew there was a God, but I didn't pray with wisdom because I didn't know the Word of God. So when I was introduced to the Word of God on November 17, 1997, that changed the way I prayed. And I began to go to a prayer meeting and sit around with men praying. And God helped me to develop a prayer life with knowledge. Not just dependent upon him. I did 12 years in prison and never got in a fight. And I was a mouthy, rude person. And God protected me and never allowed me to get in a fight. That's pretty weird to me. But now when I look back, I see that God was always there. Listen to me. The whole point is, is if you're not praying, you're trusting in yourself. If you're not praying, you're being dependent upon self. And that's deception, and that will destroy you. That means that you don't have a relationship whatsoever. Prayer, you know, nowhere in the Bible are we told to read the Word always and always read the Word. Oh, the Word is amazing. It's the knowledge of God. I'm not knocking it down. But we are commanded here to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. See, not praying just in the flesh, not praying just for what I want, not praying for me. The Spirit is taking everything that is Jesus's and giving it to us. The Spirit is doing all the work for us. So we want the Spirit that knows what's going to happen tomorrow to teach us how to pray. We want to pray in the power of the Spirit. We want to pray with the, the wisdom of the Spirit who opens the Word to us so that we know who we're praying to. And so really, it's the Word, prayer, and fellowship all together. But we need to be praying because everything that you pray about when you pray, you're praying for others, all prayer. I'm praying for grandma. I'm praying for my wife. I'm praying for you. All prayer. For all the saints. What's For all the saints, it does say that. 
What else does it say? I left out all my words. I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to tell you. Supplicating means a petition or a request. Um, it's really derived from a word that means to bind. To be in bonds. Isn't that weird? When you're supplicating, you're making a request because you're because you're bonded together with God. And he has all the power, all the might, all the strength. But the interesting thing is, is Paul makes a play on this because what is he? He's in bondage. He's in prison. He's bound to a prison. But what's he praying for? Set me free? No. Is he praying and saying, uh, God, help me out? No. He's praying for others to come to salvation. He's praying for boldness, which is confidence. The Spirit wants to give you confidence. All prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Don't pray in the flesh. You know what the flesh is? Give me this. Give me that. Do this. See, God wants to provide for your needs, but you need to ask him what you need first. That's a good prayer. What do I need, Lord? You've called me out of darkness into your marvelous light. You want me to be a witness. You want me to be your child. What do I need to fulfill what you've called me to do? What's my gifts? What's my talents? What's my abilities? How do I walk in your spirit? How do I pray in the spirit? How do I supplicate for grandma? See, it's, it's asking God all of these things, all of the above. There's no bad ask but there is some correction that God brings when we ask man I've been praying that they heal him and I really needed to pray what is your will God give the doctors wisdom God there's lots of other things to pray it doesn't mean you shouldn't pray for a healing but are you praying that would be the most important thing for a sleeping church are you praying for the nation? Are you praying for our president? Are you praying for our country? Are you praying for all the saints? Are you praying for the people around you? Are you praying for the salvation of your neighbors? We're here and we're supposed to be witnesses and ambassadors and the people around us are living in hell. They're living in torment. They're living in fear. They're afraid to go out of their houses. Are we praying for them? Are we praying that their eyes would be open? That they would be reconciled to God? Being watchful to this end. You know what watchful means? Sleepless. Not to fall asleep. See, if you're not praying, you fall asleep. If you're not praying, you become lukewarm. If you're not praying, you could become a dead church. Because the only way to be a church is to rely upon the Spirit. And the only way to rely upon the Spirit is to have a heart to humble yourself. And to be dependent upon God. The church in America is dependent upon the checkbook. They're dependent upon the tithe plate. They're dependent upon their education. They're dependent upon everything except for the Spirit of God. In the church today. What are you dependent upon? Tell you what, here's the thing. You begin to pray about being a witness. You begin to pray about speaking out loud the gospel. And you'll quickly realize that you're not capable of it. And the only way it's going to get done is in the strength of the Lord. When I pray about teaching, when I pray about getting before you with the Bible open, and I got all these circles and lines and all these things on my Bible, and I've been sitting with God and praying and going, 
What does it mean, Lord? What do I say, Lord? How do we do this, Lord? Holy Spirit, I need your help. There's no way I can get up and talk about prayer unless you do it. Listen, it's just a relationship. And if you're not praying, you don't have a relationship with God. And if you're not in the Word, you don't have a relationship with God. And if you're not in fellowship, you don't have a relationship that's correct with God. It takes the Word, prayer, and fellowship. That's what He does with the church. That's what, how He builds relationships. And you're going to have to have grace and mercy and overlook other people's transgressions just like God does. Watchful to this end. Watchful means to be sleepless, to keep awake. One of the wiles is the devil is to rock you to sleep. One of the things that's his method is to put you deadly to sleep as you do everything except for read the word, pray, and fellowship. He wants to put you to sleep in the American dream. So look, let's look at this then. Make sure you're praying. Pray for all the saints. And listen, there's saints and there's ain'ts. So he's telling us here to pray for the saints, but we actually pray for ain'ts also. We pray for their salvation. See, because if a person don't know Jesus, they're an ain't. When they come to salvation, they become a saint. And look what he says specifically for himself. And that Nero would set me free and that I'd be able to go back to my sunny place on the beach and play golf. And, um, sorry, it doesn't say that. 619 says, and for me, listen, he is the one writing them from prison, telling them about who they are in Christ, how they should live, what they should be doing, how they should put on the armor of God, put on Christ. Listen. He is taking care of them from prison. And he says, pray for me. You know why? Because he's the one instructing them. If somebody's instructing you and you're getting your word from them, you're getting instruction from them, teaching from them, and you know the Spirit of God is using them, you should be praying for them. So kids, pray for your parents. Well, what does he want them to pray? Here's the specifics. That utterance may be given to me. Notice the utterance. It's a speaking discourse. It's his mental faculties. Listen, it's his reasoning and his mental faculties to be able to speak on topics and subjects of discourse and communicate with other people the mystery of the gospel. Listen, he says that it may be given to me. He doesn't have it. He knows it's not of himself. He knows it has to come from the Spirit. He knows it has to come from God and be revealed to him so that he can speak to others. Sometimes it's like a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. You're speaking to somebody and you don't even know it, but you're asking the Spirit to lead you and you say exactly what they needed and the Holy Spirit gave it to you because you didn't plan it. The Holy Spirit just gave it to you. So he's asking that utterance, that he'd be able to speak exactly what he needs to speak. And he says this, that I may open my mouth boldly, bluntly, with confidence. All outspoken, this is what that word boldly means. To make known 
how smart he is, how intelligent he is, to make known how hard he's worked and how much he's done and how much of a servant he is. Notice what he wants to talk about. Not how many churches he's planted, not how many people he's led to Jesus. He wants to make known the mystery of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. And then he tells them, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, in chains. He's, he's in prison for speaking the gospel, for representing Christ. And we are all, we should all be praying this about ourselves. We should all be praying this, that we would be ambassadors, that we would want to speak about. We'll sit down and talk about a football game, about a movie. We'll sit down and talk about everything on the planet except the gospel. You want to, you want to see a room empty out? Start talking about Jesus. I'm talking about a room of Christians. Start talking about the Bible. And they empty out. They walk away. We're talking about the God who saved us. The God who died for us. The one we want to see face to face. The one that we think is providing for us. You start talking about Jesus and the word of God. And people yawn and walk away. That's because we're asleep. We're not being watchful and waiting for his glorious appearing. We're asleep in the church today. Paul says it twice that he may speak boldly as he ought to speak. Because you know there is. There is the fear, peer pressure. There is the fear of going to jail. It's coming to a place near you. So we need the spirit to give us boldness and confidence. But it has to be trained in you through prayer. If you don't begin to pray about it, you'll never do it. If you don't pray about having utterance and wanting to speak and tell others about the gospel, you'll never receive it. Your heart will not be prepared for it. If it isn't on your radar screen, you'll go on sleeping and doing exactly what you've always done. Now listen, there are people with speaking gifts. There are people that have the gift of teaching and the gift of evangelism. And they have the gift of encouragement and they can do these things. But what is your gift? What should you be praying about? Listen, you need to use your gift with confidence and boldness. And gifting changes as God trains you and prepares you for tomorrow. But are you praying? Does prayer mean anything to you? Because you will be dependent upon who you're looking for for help. Whoever you're looking for for help, that's why, that's why the world wants you to follow its systems and treat it like it's your father and be dependent upon it. That's why the drug man, you know what he does? If you're broke, he'll give you a $10 piece. Because he wants you to be dependent on him and keep coming back. That's the way the devil does it. So you need to make sure that you're fully dependent upon God, His Word, His provision. Don't be deceived. God is not mock. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So if you're sowing prayer, if you're sowing the Word, if you're sowing fellowship, you'll reap that relationship, not just with God, but with others, and you'll be able to walk out your gifting. You'll be able to stand. See, because that's really what we want to do, isn't it? We, we, we say we know the truth. We say we believe in truth. Now we want to stand in truth and be bold with confidence. And that's going to happen 
in prayer, in the word, and in fellowship. Father, thank you. We pray now that the devil would not steal your word from our hearts, but that word would go down and be planted deep in fertile soil, and it would produce some 30, 60, and some 100-fold. Produce fruit in our lives, Lord. Give us a desire to pray. Give us a desire to pray and ask your desires. Align our physical faculties and our mental faculties for your kingdom, for your glory, for such a time as now. And we pray, Lord, for salvation of souls. We pray that you would bring your people, those people that you have called for salvation, to salvation. Lord, we know that it's your will that every person come to salvation. But many, many will be deceived out of it. We pray, Lord, that it would not be us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand what it means to be an ambassador and we would be bold. We would be bold. And I pray, Lord, that you would give me utterance that I would speak as I ought to speak and that we would not shrink back from the truth of the gospel, but we would stand up and not shut up and we would speak up so that people would hear truth and surrender their lives to you. We pray for salvation of souls. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Lord bless you.